there's no problems. There's no, there's no seeking, nothing missing. Okay, it makes me think of this, okay, this idea of priority and the importance of it. It's our job to relax. It's our job to love. End of story. Do your job. <laughs> uh, I have so much to respond to <laughs> around this one. All right. Hello and welcome. So honored to be joined today by Swami Shogananda. Before we dive in a little bit about Swamiji. He's been a monk since 1975. He's one of Integral Yoga's foremost teachers. He's known for his warmth, intelligence, and good humor. His teachings come out of his own practice and experience while absorbing the wisdom of his guru, Sri Swami Sachidananda. While he enjoys sharing the practical wisdom of yogic philosophy, especially the great Indian scripture, the Bhagavad Gita, he also loves his practice of Hatha Yoga. He presently serves as president of the Integral Yoga Institute in New York City. And before this position, he served as the president of Satchidananda Ashram Yogaville and Integral Yoga International. So thank you so much for joining me today, Swamiji. Thank you so much, Abhi, for inviting me. This is my second time doing a podcast with you. And you really are a master at, at leading this podcast. Hmm. Thank you. I want to start by asking you this question. Are you having fun? <laughs> That's an important question. I think my mind is still learning how to have fun. It's not established in, in fun. So I can take things very serious. And then it's it can switch, it can flip, and then I'm enjoying things again. I think uh, my the study of my sadhana does help me to distinguish between the part of me that is enjoying whatever, come what may, hell or high water, like you can enjoy your life. And the part that gets caught up in its reactive nature and the story it tells itself about what's going on and how difficult things are. Um, I was watching a uh, a podcast of uh, Eckhart Tolle recently, and he was talking about doers and beers. Um, he says that you know the world recognizes doers more; beers aren't appreciated that much. And he was saying how important being is, and he was saying he's mostly more of a beer. He has like three hundred emails he hasn't gotten to, and. Um, he doesn't function that well in the world. But his his doing is to talk about being, and he does that very well. And it made me think that uh, what's fun for me is, is being. To be present, wherever the situation, and I'll be 70 my next birthday, 
uh, I'm thinking maybe I can there can be a little less doing in my life. But that, that that's not what's being presented to me. And I have to trust my guru that uh, if I was really ready for being more, then that's what would be available to me. Right now, I'm being pressed into more and more doing, more of a leadership role. I prefer to be the person with the broom in the corner. You don't recognize me as an important person. But so, you know, I have to follow Bhagavad Gita that uh, you have to be and do, be and do. And yeah, you should have fun doing it. Uh, don't take it that seriously. I do believe that this is like Tibetans talk about, it's like a waking dream. We're projecting our own reality. So I think it does take some training to have first have a better dream and then to the spirit, that's the psychological work. The spiritual work is to wake up from the dream. And then I think things really get to be fun. But I think if we do our right psychological work, I think we can have at least more fun even while we're in the in the midst of the dream. That's a bit of a long-winded answer to, to that question. Yeah, but it feels like such an honest <laughs> answer. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, if, like, I could have just if, said, I, I could have just said, you know, of, of course, Swami, of course, I'm having fun. What else will Swami do? Yananda, you know, I'm in this. But uh, I think you invited me. I'm the first person one twice because I don't talk like that. Do you think you might have answered more that way, you know, in the past and, and now kind of having the integrity to be fully honest has become more of a priority or is that just the way that you've always been? I've been this way for a while, but in my early years, <clears throat> I would never be that forthright. I would present the image that you're looking for. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the image that I'm looking for Probably the first 15 years, I, I took Sanyas in 75. So I would say to 1990, I would have said, of course, I'm Ashokananda. I'm the bliss of being free from worry and sorrow. How else should I be? <laughs> and then I realized that it's actually more, I would say, even fun <laughs> just to be who you are. It's all it's all a stress to be something you're not or trying to project an image that is not quite the reality for you. Uh, it's it's more relaxing to yeah, this is who I am. Uh, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> hmm. It does feel so much more relaxing, I think, <laughs> the state of being. <laughs> Which is associated with fun. Like I love that you've associated <laughs> fun fun with being because that's my experience too. And I wonder, you know, what what's between me and being? You know, what what is stop? I mean, I think you spoke about this a little bit, but it seems like such a natural thing to be. Like, yeah, of course. That, I mean, that is what we're doing anyway. We're just we're just being. But it's almost like we forget that we're allowed to simply exist and be. Yeah. Yeah. 
you see little children uh, uh, before they try to project any image. They do seem to be having fun, a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was just uh, before this podcast, I was responding to a lady in Italy who feels so much societal pressure to be something that she's not. And she, I like what she said. She said, I really, you know, I don't think of myself as a religious person, but I feel as a spiritual person. And I really appreciate that integral yoga has allowed me to explore my own path, gave me the freedom, which I didn't get from other religious traditions. Yesterday, we had a Bhagavad Gita uh, study group. And we were talking about how um, challenging it is to be your fine and to express your more of an authentic self. And one of the participants gave the example when she was in kindergarten and she was uh, doing finger painting. And she really liked what she had done finger painting. But the teacher said, no, no, that's, that's not what we're doing. You're not doing it right. And, and if she, you know, she's probably in her 60s now. She brought it up yesterday. And then they had, can you imagine the effect that had on her? You're not doing it right. That's not what we're doing. I read a, I read a, a quote recently. I forget who said it. Uh, courage. Uh, what was it? Uh, Courage is not about something about not being afraid. Courage is uh, courage. Yeah, oh, the opposite of courage is not is not fear. Something like that. The opposite of courage is conformity. Mm. And uh, there is a lot of pressure. If you want to be a part of the herd, even uh, I think Wiz Cheney is learning that now. In the Republican Party, I don't know if you follow that at all. She was just voted out of her leadership position because she didn't conform with the other Republicans. Uh, there's so much pressure to conform if you want to have a place in society. And I do think that that does dampen the pleasure and the fun of being a unique expression of the light. So yeah, I I try to be like a, a good, in a way, traditional integral yogi, but as, as Ashokananda expresses that, mm. which may not be, may not conform to the norm. And I'd, I'd rather risk that than being inauthentic to myself. Hmm. So what I'm hearing you say a little bit is, is, is kind of, you've, you've uh, set the intention to have like this meeting place between two worlds a little bit like, okay, I'm an integral yogi. You know, I follow these teachings, this path at the same time, I'm also an individual self. And I realized that 
allowing that individuality to express itself is key to my, to my health. Um, so, yeah. Right. I, I like that the word health. Yeah. You're expressing it better than I did. You're more succinctly and clearly. Yeah. That's very true. I think related to what you're saying, I'm not sure if I'm taking a tangent, but uh, I've been thinking about this lately about control. Um, I see my, my need to <clears throat> want things to go a certain way. And I see the importance of, you know, sit back, see how things unfold. I think it was one in one of your short sayings, uh, I think I got it from that, said, uh, uh, how do you know if something was supposed to happen? Because it happened, you know. Uh, so is that is that from you or something like, something <laughs> like that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It may have been uh, like a week or two ago. No, so, yeah, uh, I, th I, I think it was, um, yeah, it's not okay because it's okay. It's okay because it happened. <laughs> something like that. that. I, I love it. I hope people are getting your your short one-liners. They're really one or two-liners. They're really special. But yeah, so I see I need to be think less in terms of control. And I need to also express myself more. And it may seem like that's paradoxical. Like, but the, like I was in a situation recently I'll give two, two uh, examples where one, I didn't want to be at a meeting where someone's going to be at this meeting. I expressed that. And then I realized they may be there. Let's see how it goes. I wrote back to the chairperson to forget about what I said. Let's just see how it unfolds. And I was, I was kind of proud of myself that I said, well, I'm not going to control it. And then I was at a meeting where the meeting was not going the way the agenda was planned. And I sat back and watched it. And I realized, no, that was a place where you were supposed to keep, you were supposed to express yourself. What why didn't you express yourself? Because there was some anxiety about rocking the boat. So I let things unfold the way they unfolded. But I, I, I knew afterwards that I chickened out. So it's very interesting, this, this uh, finding that balance of you just watch, let God run the show. And you also watch within and see Am I playing the role I'm supposed to be playing at this moment? Or am I holding back out of being too timid for whatever reason? Did I change topics or can we No, no, no. it's, it's beautiful. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I, what I want to ask about that though is like, like the power of, of radical acceptance. Like, is that the role that I'm, I'm supposed to be playing the most? Like one that has faith. So taking taking your example, right? So 
even if I feel that in that moment of the meeting, you know, maybe it was the right thing to do to speak up, right? The ultimate right thing is to see that that, again, it it happened, so it's perfect because it happened. And so what was really supposed to happen there was for you to not say anything, for you to realize afterwards that you, as you put it, chickened out, to learn a lesson that perhaps you can take with you, yourself to the future, and then the next time you would react in a way that uh, maybe you feel better about. Like, you see what I'm saying? I, I agree with that. That I didn't speak up. That must have been perfect. And next time, I'm going to watch that, and I plan to express myself. So, exactly how you put it. That was, and and yeah, radical acceptance means uh, I accept that I wasn't supposed to speak up there because I didn't, and mm. I accept I'm not going to be down on myself. I accept myself because I chickened out, uh, uh, and. I'm not complacent about that. I accept myself and I'm going to make use of that. Uh, judging myself harshly is not, is not the way to improve. Right. And maybe that's, that connects back to how we start in terms of, of the fun. Like maybe that's the <laughs> obstacle of having fun when I judge myself so harshly instead of just like being light about it and accepting, okay, like this happened in the past. Like I like to ask how quickly can I put the past away where it belongs in the past. Right. And I don't think, I don't think being hard on myself allows me to, um, learn lessons more easily than if I'm, if I'm light about it. I I don't, I don't know about you. I maybe, maybe there's something there, maybe kind of being more of a taskmaster master to yourself. There is some productivity that comes from that, but I tend to find like a certain lightness in the joy of playing the game and learning lessons tends to lead to uh, more results, I would say. Um, I'm with you on that, Avi. Yeah. Uh, I did enough taskmastering on myself. <laughs> Maybe it had some, had its place to my Tomasic side. I had to say, get up, man, you lazy fellow. <laughs> no. <laughs> That, that now that harshness doesn't work well for me anymore. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe uh, maybe this is a nice place to transition uh, to another topic that I wanted to ask you about. Now, let uh, me mention that, one thing though. I, yeah, sure. Can I mention one thing about because uh, yeah, today I today I, there's a woman uh, in Europe that I I mentor, and we had our mentor meeting today, and I'm really trying to find you know how. How do you encourage someone to be more disciplined? And I really, you know, it has to come from the person. I think Gurud have always said that, you know, I don't want you guys meditating because of me. You know, you have to feel the need yourself. And I don't want this lady going to bed earlier and getting up earlier and doing some practice because of my recommendation. Uh, so I, I see that with her mind also, and probably most people's mind, I have to find an in that makes, why would I want to go to bed earlier? Uh, 
not because you're doing something wrong by staying up late. What would be the benefit of going to bed earlier, waking up earlier, doing some practice? There has to be some, I would say, fun for the mind, some pleasure for the mind. Otherwise, it's nice to stay up late, not worry about going to bed early and watching movies and things. That's why would why would I want to deny myself that fun? So I think discipline also has to be applied in a way that the mind sees the the upside of it. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I have so much to respond to <laughs> around this one. Uh, well, for, first I'll say that I think I found that one of the challenge, most challenging aspects of of being a human being, is relationship with other people and really wanting to help them and serve them, um, but accepting that self discovery is the way. And as you put it, people have to figure things out in their own time. And as clearly as I might see it, um, see what someone else, you know, could be doing to add to the health of their lives, no matter how articulate I am, no matter how clearly I can define it, if they're not ready to, uh, to see it, then it's not going to happen. And that's just the name of the game. Uh, and I felt a lot of frustration around this in my life. And ultimately, I've, I've come to the conclusion that the best way to serve other people is by showing them an example and, and just constantly going into my internal work. And there's always more internal work to do. And that maybe they'll see something in me in their own time that says, oh, I can do that too. I want to do that also. Uh, it is possible. Um, and it's still, it's, it doesn't satisfy me completely. Uh, but I feel like that's the best, uh, the best I can do. Uh, so I'll say that. And then the other thing on top of it, just in terms of, of discipline, you know, I, I well, like to I just, at, before you yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. Your, yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's where the being comes in. You know, uh, I can't make you do something. This is how I'm living my life. Uh, I'm feeling the benefit of it. So rather than making the doing to make my, it's my doing to make you more disciplined. Uh, my being may spur that on. I'd rather help you in that way. Hmm. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. And it makes me think of the power of vulnerability too. Like in, in conversation, I found that expressing what's happening inside of me and my story also has a power to it that might be effective as opposed to telling someone else, you know, Oh, maybe you, you should do this. You should try that. This would be good for it. Instead of that, just, yeah. just, just sharing what's happening inside for me. I think that might be more effective. I do too. I totally find that. And that's, I'd rather teach that way. If I'm going to so-called teach or, try to share my path with others. Yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather do it that way. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. This is what it works for me. This is what doesn't work. Uh, uh, yeah, I prefer that. What I was going to say. Oh, do, you, do you remember uh, this? Yeah, okay. Remember yeah, yeah. Good. yeah, I was going to say around discipline. 
you know, that I think discipline has a bad rap (laughs) Uh, in a a way because, you know, discipline, I think the point of it really is to make us more free. Exactly. (laughs) So it's not this like, it doesn't have to be like this hard, um, painful type of practice. It's a practice that I choose because I've had some insight that by taking on this practice, I'm going to feel better and therefore be more free and happy. You know, we have to make so many choices in our daily life. But it's better that something just become habits. So you don't have to make choices. Hmm. If, you are, if, you, if everything is, uh, is a decision you have to make, that's, it's too much for the mind. It's better to have uh, habits or a certain rhythm and save decision-making for the bigger stuff. But uh, so I don't, I don't, I see people who say, oh, should I meditate this morning? Uh, should I do my hatha? Do I feel like it? I would never ask myself that. Why, why do I want to give the mind that type of choice? Uh, Let's just do our practice. Uh, there's no resistance. I'm not. I'm not asking for any, <laughs> anyone's opinion inside myself. Hmm. I see it a little bit as a, a relationship between our past and present selves. Right. Hmm. So when, when when you when you speak about that, I consider that your your past self is actually it's helping your present self. Because um, when you're talking about you know making it into a habit, and there isn't really a choice in the present self, so like at some point in the past, I would guess that you had an insight that meditating is so beneficial and you love it so much that this is going to become a daily practice, and that was so strong um, that now there's no choice because you just know that, so the mind has has no control. So that's how I see it a little bit, like. Uh, sometimes I thank my past self for what it decided uh, to do. At the same time, though, I feel that it's important to reassess at some point and and just ask, am I still in alignment with my past self? Because sometimes promises that we've made like way, way in the past can, I think, hold us back in, in terms of um, the, the wisdom that can be gained by our future self through more, more experience. So I don't want to do that either. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I have never really assessed whether my meditation or Hatha practice should be reevaluated. And I may not do that in this lifetime. I just, I may just may stick to that. Uh, that old past self affirmation. Uh, um, but, you know, I, I don't like to use somebody else as an example, but uh, what comes to mind is um, Sri Iyengar, the great Hatha Yoga master. When he reached a certain age, his guru, Krishnacharya, said, uh, you should back away from Ahath and go deeper into meditation practice. And he said, he said, no, I can't do that. I won't be able to do that. 
and that's a case where you know the guru is encouraging that what you just said that reevaluation of where your emphasis is. I would need someone like that. I would need someone like Gurudev coming up to me and saying, uh, "You don't, you, you're you're meditating too much. Uh, cut back on your hatha and be of more service. You know, do do more karma yoga." Uh, but I do think there are, are areas in our life that it, it's good. Maybe that's what New Year's is for. A reassessment of what you're doing and is this the right trajectory for me? I think I do that also. I do come up, you know, each year I, I, I meditate on my yearly goals. I look at the past year's goals. I think about the coming year. And it is a time for me to try to do what you just said is, uh, okay. This is how I've been moving forward. Is that still work for you? Is that so honest for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. again, I think uh, we all get to decide. Like that's part of the play and the freedom in life I, that I think we forget sometimes. Like you know, we we don't need to be living anyone else's lives. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, j- just our own. So. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I saw this cartoon, what you said made me think of it, uh, uh, or it was, uh, who's the dad in The Simpsons? What's his name? Not Bart. Homer. Is that, that's not Bart. Homer, yeah, Homer. Homer, I forgot what he's doing, some bad habit. And and his wife, is Marge, is his wife named Marge? Yeah. What's his wife, Marge? Marge says, Homer, you know this is going to be a problem. You know, we please stop. And, and Homer says, I, I, I'm enjoying myself. That's a problem for the future, Homer. I'll let him worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we, it's funny, right? But we, 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 we say that to ourselves all the time, right? Uh, okay, I'm going to eat this thing. That's a problem for the future of Shokadanda, you know, or, or whatever it is, you know. Right. It just makes me think about balance. <laughs> Right, because there's, there's a part of that that that's beautiful too about living living in the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's this balance of living in the moment and then also you know not yeah. uh, ha- hamstringing your future self you know, either. Yeah, that's what you were trying to say about this interesting thing about discipline. It it, it gives you a, a pathway, but it should be a pathway to freedom in some ways. I like how you put it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it makes me think of of gratitude too. I, I could say that it's mm. the most important important practice in, in my life uh, because it's flipped mm. everything over, and uh, it's just honestly made me a much less spoiled uh, human being, thinking that I'm I'm entitled to a certain amount of time and a certain amount of things and a certain level of experiences, like you know, pleasurable experiences. So that helps with discipline a lot because Uh, every moment, yeah. Yeah. I want to hear the the relationship of gratitude and discipline. That's very interesting to me. Yeah, because it it really, it, uh, it helps to accept and even find joy 
in maybe more, you know, less exciting experiences mm. that, mm. that I'm having because mm. when that part of me that obviously says, Oh, I prefer to be doing something, something else. Well, like I acknowledge right away that that is, I would say a more immature part of myself, a lower part of myself. And uh, this is not how life works. You know, you don't get to be doing mm. the high levels uh, the high level of things all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's so wonderful. Uh, I'm going to keep that in mind that, yeah, by being grateful for what is and keeping your eyes open to all the things you can be grateful for, uh, keeps you more in the present and recognizing that you're getting fulfilled in this moment. And that's a, I think that's an aspect of the highest discipline. It's a, it's a feel fulfilled in the moment. I think everything we're doing is maybe for that purpose. And, mm -hmm. and I like the role that you express that gratitude, the role that gratitude has in that. Mm. Actually it reminded me of something that you brought up earlier uh, that I wanted to comment on you mentioned this like paradox around control, I think. And I found this, yeah. yeah, I found this to be the experience too, that when I let go to, when I let go of control and kind of fall into the flow of life, like I'm just letting go into the flow of my life. Somehow it feels like some control is actually gained there. <laughs> which is such a weird thing. I don't know if you have this experience. But it's like by letting go by letting go of control, more control is gained. Yeah. Uh, it'd be hard for me to put that into words, how that works, but I, I think I have a sense of what you're saying is true. I certainly have more control over my own reactions by letting go. And by doing that, I'm more present in the situation and I actually have more power in that situation. I mean, power is the right word, but. Uh, I, I, I'm more influential by letting go of control. <laughs> mm. Because I'm not, more... I'm, not a I'm not a reactive person at that moment, yeah. Right, and I don't know if I'm as an ego-centered person either at that moment. Which, so what's coming to me now is like by letting go and having this feeling of lightness, I have the ability to see more clearly. And just mm -hmm. by seeing more clearly, control is gained, right? Like when I'm really stuck in my persona and my ego, I, I feel like I have blinders on. I want something to happen and therefore I'm not seeing the totality of the game board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something about seeing giving us more control over what's in front of us because we're not, we're not narrowing the scope of that experience. Hmm. That's a very, that's a deep understanding. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I also wanted to ask you. You're, you're, about, you're, yeah. You're yeah. going to change the subject. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you still yeah. remember that. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about love and. Okay your um anything to share around 
love and and yoga and on the path like what place does does love have in your practice yeah i think love is is my goal it's a state of non-separation from everything I think I can't force big love into the little self. I think the little self has to let go into the big love. I think I can help the little self to tap into better into the big love. tends to be a little more conceptual when I do that uh, rather than experiential. Like a paripachabhavana thing or trying to push something to happen. Um, I think it has to also do what we talked about earlier. You know, if I'm not so judgmental to myself, not so harsh with myself. If I can have this radical acceptance that, okay, I should have spoken up there, I didn't. So that means I wasn't supposed to, and I'm okay with myself. And I think next time there's a good chance I'll speak up. That's a kind of love, Hmm. which I couldn't give myself in the past. And if I could love myself that way, I think I can begin to look at you and settle into where you're at, step into your shoes more. I can't do that if I'm stuck in my own shoes. But if I can step into your shoes more, I'm not talking about a very high spiritual state, just a little bit more empathy. Then I think people will feel that as love. I'll feel it as I'll feel it as something bigger than my normal connectivity with people. But in the end, I, I think uh, my eye, my little eye, can't love. Uh, the best it can do is to get out of the way. I don't know if that's controversial or not. <laughs> what would be controversial about that? Uh, why can't I love as an individual? As a as a uh, why mm. can't Swami Shukananda as a, as a as with that persona? Why can't he also love? You know, and I can, but it doesn't feel like the whole enchilada or the, the full thing. There's still okay. some conditioning. There's still some conditions around it, I think, that uh, uh, if you act in a certain way, I'm probably not going to be able to love you then. It's like, <laughs> I can't go there. I'm not ready for that yet, you know. Uh, uh, you may have 
you may have good intentions, but the way you're behaving, uh, I'm sorry. I can't love you. I, I, and it's not just that I can't love your behavior. I can't, I can't love you. I wish it was just the behavior. <laughs> mm. Mm. Thank you again for that honesty. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm not proud of that. But, uh, uh, and I think uh, there, are, there aren't too many people that I, I would say, you know, I can't love that person. But if there are even a few, that means it's not the whole thing. Hmm. Okay, it makes me think of this, okay, this idea of priority and the importance of it within the mind and maybe the, maybe the being that I've been trying to gain clarity around, right? So I notice that my mind ranks what is the most important thing to, to kind of remember, so to speak, or, or, or do or be, right? So if I elevate this idea that I, I do love everyone, there is something of value and everyone is, is lovable, right? And they, they have this divine nature within them. If I believe that wholeheartedly, and again, rank it up high in terms of priority, that's really helpful when I have experiences similar to what you're, you're describing, when someone has some behavior that's very off-putting to me or, or whatnot. It's like, it's like I check myself. Well, okay, do you really believe that? Like, were you just saying that? Or like, okay, here's a challenging experience and it's a test. Uh, is that your top priority? Yeah. Yeah, I think I also work in a similar way as you often. Yeah, nothing more is coming to me about that. Uh, I think that you expressed it well. Uh, until, until I, in my bigger self or outside of the small self, uh, I don't have to wait to passively wait to try to love people. I can, I can, I can, I can do a practice like you're describing. And I can try to make it more and more genuine. And I think it does help a lot. Even people who hurt me, you know, Gurudev gives the example, I may come, come from Ramakrishna, you know, you, you throw a rock at a tree, it'll give you more fruit. Uh, so if someone hurts me, can I still feel get beyond my hurt and still feel, like you say, the divine essence of that person. It's, I think I, I, can, I can say that over the years, I've gotten much better of not holding on to hurts and at least accepting people as they are and maybe even appreciating and Maybe it could even move towards something called loving the way they are. It's a big project for me. Yeah. I'll share a little bit of a, a story okay. uh, I like from my that. life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think it was pretty early on when I, when I came to live at Yogaville. 
And uh, I think we watched some documentary, might have been Black History Month. And uh, I was contemplating Rosa Parks and what she did and the impact of, of her deciding, you know, not to get up out of her seat. And a question came to me, what can be done today that would be the equivalent of that kind of action or similar to it? And I never really found an answer to that question, but my mind was reeling to, to come up with an idea. And I did come up with one idea, one idea to pop into my mind. Uh, and that was to, uh, to go out on the street and with a sign uh, that says, be told that you're loved and have anyone come and sit down in front of you and tell them, I love you. I, I don't know why this idea came to me, but that that it did. And I what, what does the it. sign say? What, what did the sign say? The sign said, be told that you're loved. Be told be that told you're loved that you're here. Here. Sorry. Okay. So you can oh, come be here. Be told you're loved here. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. You come here and then you'll be told you're loved. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah, tell yeah. them I love you. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, okay, and so yeah, I've, that's a Rosa, that's a Rosa Park action. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so I've done it a little bit. I, I want to start doing it again because it, it was maybe the best way I've ever spent time or one of the best ways. But to do it, I really had to kind of go deep and ask, can I do this genuinely? Like, can I, can I, cause I don't, I'm not going to tell anyone I love them if I don't mean it. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. All right. So it kind of challenged, it challenged me in a great way to see like, do I really believe that? Do I really believe that any person can come and sit down in front of me and I can look them in the eye and say, I love you and mean it? Um, wow. You actually practiced that. Wow. So say a little bit about that experience. How, how, oh my gosh. How is it like? It was even that much more like, powerful than the conception people, of the idea. Did people really come? Did people really come? And, and, and what, did you have a chair there or something? Or did you sit down yeah. or just standing? No, I, I would do it with chairs. Uh, and I did it here at Yogaville, uh, actually, in the hall. And I, I did it at some yoga festivals. Uh, and uh -huh. some people, a lot of people would wa walk by, but some people would sit down. And I would do it. And I would, I would make eye contact with them for a certain period of time. And then when I felt ready... You know, I would say, I would say the words, um, <laughs> and, and it like literally felt like the best way I could possibly be spending my time was doing that. Wow. That's, I admire that. But, uh, you haven't just gone out in the street and said that it's been like a yoga bill or yoga festivals. You ever like go to Charlottesville mall and do that? That's, that's my vision. And that's my plan. <laughs> uh, COVID <laughs> is kind of, uh, put it back seat oh, on yeah, that. Right. but I have the oh, sign yeah, yeah. And, and everything. And, uh, I think there's a good chance I'll be doing it in the future. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, I'm going to sit down that chair and do that. And <laughs> absorb your love. <laughs> I would love that. Um, so, so do you feel, yeah. you feel that it's, where is that love coming from? When you say, I love you, hmm. where's it coming from? It, I think it, it comes from source. And if I'm putting mm -hmm. words, words to it, um, it comes from this, this belief and knowing that I really wish everyone well, 
and I, I do love everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's not me. That's not Avi loving everyone. It's just basically love loving itself. So it's a part right, of exactly. of source just saying, just reflecting back and, and, and saying, hey, like, I see you. And I, I've heard you speak r- recently about, you know, seeing the divine nature in, in everyone, you know, as a practice mm-hmm. too. And I think it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If you have a doubt, uh, is this coming from my ego? Uh, or do you, you feel uh, I'm tapped into something that I can say this from my heart? Mm. Has doubt ever arisen did this practice? I'm sure it's there. And actually, mm-hmm. it, I might not be answering the question directly here because <laughs> I have another question uh, that this relates to that I've, I've been thinking to ask you is, is this movement yeah. from the little eye to the big eye that, that you've been mm-hmm. talking about, right? And, and I'm curious, is your experience that this is happening like very fluidly and, and like many, many times throughout the day that you're moving back and forth between the little eye and the big eye? I'm mostly pretty stable in the little eye. Not so much movement, but keeping the mantra going is my way to keep a little toe hold on the big eye. And I connect that to my connection to Gurudev, Swami Satyavananda. And then I I don't make it a problem that I'm mostly experiencing myself as the little eye. That's a problem for the big eye to worry about, how to to transmute this little eye to the big eye. That's not for the little eye. That's almost like the little eye's problem. So I try not to, I know that uh, ultimately the big eye, it's already there. And I have my connection through the mantra and the guru. Guru, if you should tell the story about this great sadhu did all these austere practices and he wasn't the most beloved of God so he said, who, who's more beloved than me? And there was a man who, who worked very hard in the fields all day. And he came home and did some work for the family. And then before he went to bed, one time he said wholeheartedly, Om Namah Shivaya. And God said, that's the one. He's my favorite. Mm. He focuses that one moment on the big eye with all, all his heart. Otherwise, he's, 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 he's who he is. So I think uh, I tend to be, I'm not quite, I'm in between those two fellows. Uh, I'm regular in my practices. I'm keeping the mantra going as much as possible as I'm moving around my night day. But I know it's just uh, at one point, I'll just, I'll feel it and then, then I'm, uh, um, 
in communion with the big eye. And then there's no problems. There's no, there's no seeking, nothing missing. Mm. But even as a little eye, I'm trying to feel there's nothing missing. Mm. That's that's an um, that's a little tricky practice. Because little eye is based on not being full. And something is not right. I can I gotta make it right. So I'm trying to shift this consciousness that I'm working with into feeling that it's all right, you're full, there's nothing missing. Um, and I think it's helping to make the shift that you just talked about. Even 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 as I'm still resting in more in the little eye, there's uh, a certain okayness that I think is based on tapping into the big eye. I think that when we're free from anxiety and running, the big eye is going to naturally express itself. What do you think about that? That's my experience too, a hundred percent. Um, mm-hmm. in a way I see it as maybe the big eye is supporting the little eye, you know, it's, it's saying, okay, I see you too. I love you too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, everything It's just, it's how, how yeah. it is again, radical acceptance, uh, type of yeah. thing. And, and I find that when I do that, when I allow kind of when I'm stuck in the persona or the, the ego to, to be okay, that, okay, everything in nature, I accept it all. And this is a part of nature. Um, then uh, it, it kind of loosens its grip, so to speak. Um, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's some kind of combination of letting go of stress and anxiety and what's already there can more manifest. And um, some aspiration to stay connected to that. Some, some combination, a healthy combination of, okay, I'm doing this podcast. It's not gonna flow if I'm anxious. Mm. Just relax and, and like you say, have fun. But also, you know, uh, be aware that you wanna be connected to something. Uh, which I think will come fairly naturally if you can just stay relaxed. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Relaxation talking about priorities (laughs) has been, uh, it it goes up and up and up and just see that relaxation is, is, is totally, is totally key. I think I showed you, I I posted on my wall, something you said, I love it. I, I, I read it a few times a day. Uh, (laughs) Can you back it up a little bit? It's our job to relax. It's our job to love. End of story. Do your job. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's from Avi, and it's so potent. It simplifies the path so well. So yeah, relaxation. Of course, I think it's hard to be 
tension and love. Mm. So, so relaxation has to be high, very high on the list. Mm. Love, I think, will more naturally flow. Yeah, I feel like there. But thank you for that, Abby. That, that's something that really has worked for me. That that simplicity and the power of, I like end of story. Do your job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you came up with that, but <laughs> me either. It, it, it's so definitive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Swami Shogananda, thank you so much. Um, I don't know. There's there's really nothing I could say more than just. Thank you, and I love you. I love you, Javi. Let's, let's sit together sometime and look each other in the eye and, and share that love. Thank <laughs> yes. you so much, Javi. Yeah. Om Shanti. Okay. Om Shanti. Om Shanti. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.